It's rut and river. Yes. Correct. R-U-T. I rest my beard hair right on it. There, and then you know you're there. Like a nice, gentle little pillow for my beard. Right. And then I'm all up in it. Oh. I'm like Kobe beef for sharks. Can I ask you, what made you guys call me up about, well, this? That's what tickles our fancy. Exactly. Okay. Thought the Rocky Mountains would be rockier. <laughs> John Denver is not accurate. Man. A guy like you, who has absolutely no clue, and I can hear it in your voice, that, you know, <laughs> you know I mean, you're a blank canvas. I mean, I can just start with you, right, like, from scratch. You, you're going to tell me, a grown man, you're telling me what lure to use and how to fish? You guys didn't s- snap your whopper plopper off either, though. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry I, blew I blew up over that. <laughs> and we are back. Here we are, sitting around a sauna campfire. There it goes. You are listening to the Rutten River Pursuit Podcast. Podcast. Your home of all things epic in the outdoors. I love to throw that tagline in there. Oh, that's wonderful. It's a good uh, one. Fellas, we got a good night, but I need to know who's with me here tonight. I'm Will. It's Bucky. I'm Kyle. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jay. What's up, Jay? Hey, Jay. Jay. How you doing, guys? Sitting good. in for the catfish. Is that Jay from Underhill Forge? Sometimes you can actually dig me out of my hole. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got to every once in a while. I can't just go fishing with catfish, <laughs> or go go hunting with catfish. Anything with catfish or, or is epic, right? Hunting with you. Yeah, yeah. Jay made us some uh, wonderful marinated chicken livers wrapped in bacon. Everybody, so we yeah, yeah. Coming it melts full in your to mouth. Yeah, I can't. And, and I don't just hands. cook steel. I also oh, cook food. Man. So. <laughs> you nailed it. Noses round, way around a knife, both ways, making them. The marinati. Oh, the marinati. <laughs> <laughs> he made his own uh, Italian dressing from scratch, I hear. Yes, I did. My three-year-old helped me with that. Oh, that, was, okay. that was wonderful. <laughs> you yeah, could sheesh. do great work. So the recipe. She added the garlic, so. The recipe's approachable. That's yes. what that means. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So easy a three-year-old could do it. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Jay. Appreciate it, man. Well, Thanks for out. coming and having you around. Awesome. Oh, uh, but guys, we got a good show coming up tonight. Tell me about it. What's I'm, going on? Ryan? I'm going to tell you about it because on the line with us tonight, we have Samantha Petter on the phone. She's with us from the Council for the Advancement of Hunting in the Shooting Sports. Nice. Samantha, are you there? I am. How are you guys doing? Good. Hey, Sam. Good. Welcome. Hey, Sam. Hi. Hey, thank you. So, uh, Samantha, first, yes. first question out of the gate. Um, I want to talk to you about the council, maybe some of the other things that you've done. Be easy on her. In and around oh, uh, the area. But <laughs> from what I understand, you're, uh, you're relatively local to us here in central Pennsylvania. Is that right? Absolutely. I was born in Greensburg, and I went to college at Penn State, the one and only university. So, yeah, definitely local. <laughs> was, that, was that a Nittany Lion, Will? Is that, what, <laughs> is that what that sound was? Yes. Okay. They so, just scored a touchdown. You should work on that. Maybe just stick to the yeah. uh, sonic campfire sound. Sounded more like a common house cat. <laughs> oh. Your Nittany Lion needs some work, bud. <laughs> Me, yeah. Nittany, Nittany kitten. <laughs> I thought my headphones were malfunctioning. <laughs> oh, man. Dang it. <laughs> Tough crowd here tonight. None of this is going to make it on the podcast. (laughs) So, Sam, could you give us a little bit of background quick? Tell us what it is that you're doing with the council currently. Absolutely. Yeah, the council is a 501c3 uh, based in Washington, D.C., and we're a small nonprofit. We have two staff and a CEO, um, but our kind of our power comes from our board of directors. 
we sit at kind of the intersection of industry um, from the firearms and ammunition and bow manufacturers and equipment and other assorted products, as well as the non-government organizations, NGOs, you'll probably hear me say that a lot, which are like your National Turkey Federation, Quality Deer Management Association, Pheasants Forever, any of those um, groups, and then also the state fish and wildlife agencies. There's 51 organizations, uh, there's state fish and wildlife agencies in the United States. So we work with all of them at the national level to get more people outdoors, specifically hunting and target shooting. We also work with partners to get people like angling and boating, but our, our forte is hunting and shooting. Gotcha. Yep. That's very cool. It's a lot. Like it's a lot of coordination. It's more than a mouthful. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, one of the one of the first questions I have, just based on that description, is you mentioned that there's 51 state agencies, but when I was in school, there was only 50 states. How did we get that extra one? Pennsylvania is special that we have the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission and then the Pennsylvania Game Commission. Most other states have just a Department of Natural Resources, but we needed two. It's that good here, folks. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, as Will loves to say, trying to make PA sexy. It is, so. man. <laughs> People just need to know about it. Oh, that's that's actually really, really cool work that it sounds like you guys are doing. You're getting to work with a lot of those, uh, the NGOs, as you were referring to. Um, one of those, I believe, that you're partnered with is that uh, the ATA? Is that right? The Archery Trade Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They sit on our board. Um, a couple of them we actually work really closely with. I think you guys had Kurt Smith on your board re- or your podcast recently. He and also, we work with- yeah, he also sits on our board. Oh, really? I'm just kidding. The mixing board. Where his favorite podcast, Sam? That's what I hear. I, unofficially. Unofficially, officially, you are his favorite. Yeah. But anyway, but he was great on our podcast. We love the ATA. Absolutely. That's, yeah, they that's have been Kurt Smith from the ATA, not Tears for Fears, right? <laughs> yeah. <Correct. laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> Everybody wants to rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sam, I have to imagine as the dynamic of the country changes, that kind of the, the general mission statement for what you guys are doing probably constantly changes from year to year. No? Um, actually, no. How we do it changes, but our goal okay. in general is to get more people hunting and shooting. Our vision is kind of where in America, in America where the general public understands the contributions and the role that hunters and target shooters play in conservation. But in our mission is to make sure that we all work together to get more people outdoors. So between those two things, um, there's a lot of detail that we work on from year to year, day to day even. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, we're really connected to that vision statement. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sam, how difficult is that to get your message out and still stay positive and not negative and get caught up in, in the negativity that's out there? It seems like those folks out there that are anti-hunting, anti-shooting are louder than the people that are trying to just carry on a tradition. How do you positively get your message out? Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of challenges right now going on. And we, we're focusing right now on getting the number of hunters to stabilize and ensure that we have an active and avid participant base. That's where we focused our efforts. Yes, um, organizations have a louder voice in opposition to hunting. 
but we have two kind of goals that um, we have a national hunting and shooting sports action plan we released with a multitude of partners about two years ago and it had two roles or two goals one was to increase participation in hunting and target shooting and the other was to increase support for we've largely focused on that increasing participation the support will follow um, but we focus a lot of our effort there. Not that it's not as important by any regard, but our niche right now is kind of that intersection and collaboration. Some of our partners are take, taking on the other efforts. Um, for instance, Boone and Crockett has done some great media campaigns talking about Hunt Fair Chiefs, just putting that positive message out there. But where we work is specifically in the increasing participation right now. We'll probably, as we ha- find success, because I'm the optimist in the group here, um, as we find success in that, we'll continue to build support for an awareness of it. So together, I think we're all covering those kind of goals, but that's where we fit. Yeah, and that's really roundabout. I don't know if that's helpful. It, it certainly is. Um, and where where are you finding? Where are the trends now? Is it are, is it still the ladies that are buying the hunting licenses more than outpacing the the men? Or where where's the where's the base coming from right now? The biggest growth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of our emerging markets is women, by far. Um, they're seeing higher participation rates in hunting and target shooting, actually. And then on the angling and boating side, they're definitely increasing there, too. So it's just the age of the female in outdoor sports, really. And we see that in other activities, too. So it's definitely there. A lot of efforts right now are focused on also getting, like, millennials outdoors. And that's a term. Some people like it. Some people don't. But largely, we're talking about people, like, in their 20s, you know, we're often known for not having kids and not settling down, but we're actually picking up firearms and trying out outdoor sports at a higher rate than many people expected. So I would say statistically, females are documented to be growing leaps and bounds. There's a lot of effort to get more young adults or adult onset. They've used that word to uh, um, hunters outside too. Yeah, we're finding that just in our community that, that, like you said, the adult onset, we happen to kind of bridge some gaps and, and show some people that we're approachable. And then this is a lifestyle that, yep. you know, couldn't be considered somewhat attractive and fun. And uh, so that adult onset hunter is coming out, you know, and, and actually reaching out to right here some of the podcasters and, and things like that. I think that to us is something that we didn't really expect, you know, I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, uh, maybe we should have, but it's, it's cool to see that guys yeah. are saying, Hey, I, I used to hunt as a kid. I used to do all kinds of things. And, well, and that was, that was me. Exactly. I mean, you know, I used to hunt as a yeah, kid absolutely. and then all of a sudden I picked it back up, you know, 20 some odd years later. Yeah. And now my son who kind of falls, he's that tail end of millennial, you know, he's 19 and you know, he's begging me during the summer, like, Hey, are we going fishing today? Are we going fishing today? And I'm like, dude, I've got work to do, but, uh, okay, fine. I'll, okay. Yeah. We'll, yeah. I'll just throw it off to the side and yeah, we'll go fishing, you know, twist but my arm. No, I mean, he's just, you know, begging every opportunity we get. Yeah. Know, it's nice to see that. It's really is. And, and, you know, and it's awesome for us because, you know, it just means we're not sitting here talking to ourselves. Yeah. You know, that there's actually something happening. You it's know. also the only way I'll get him to eat fish. If he catches his he own. Catches we, nice. we have a rule in the house that if you catch it, you have to eat it. Really? Yes. Nice. That's yeah, So yeah. there is no, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't waste, you know? Yeah. That's yeah, a good uh, mentality. Well, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys who just go out and they, they ruin 
you know, certain fish, they, you know, really do a lot of damage. And I'm just kind of one of those guys that, you know, a hook gets swallowed. Yeah. You know, a hook gets swallowed. Like you don't throw it on the bank, you know, you just, uh, you know, do do what you should. Yeah. Yeah. Be Be thankful. Be thankful that you actually have it. Throw it on the grill. Get you some cheek meat. (laughs) (laughs) Get you some. So, uh, Sam, could you give us some examples, um, as far as what it is you guys are doing, you know, you have the ideas and there's the goals with the recruitment and, Mm -hmm. and the retention. What are some examples of things that you're doing to help get those numbers where they need to be? Absolutely. Um, that seems to be my favorite word too. Um, what, what we call all this is R3. It's the recruitment, retention and reactivation. Wait a minute. And. I got to stop. Wait, you just went up a notch there. (laughs) I mean, right now you're R2-ing. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe I should say it reword, rephrases. Now we're R3-ing. Yeah, we are. Together we're R to the fifth. Goodness. Don't do too much, man. <laughs> don't, don't even throw an R4 on yeah, us. Yeah, back or down. Somebody give me a piece of paper uh, and a pen. We don't do well with math, but oh my gosh, R3. I'm sorry, I digress. That's totally fine. We largely work business to business. I don't deal a lot with like the general hunter. Like Personally, I teach new people how to hunt more and more now, but in general, we're working with our partners um, to get the best strategies together. And half the battle with all of this is just understanding the kind of challenges at hand and then the best ways to get new people outdoors. We've been really good at doing programs and researching these kind of problems. Like, why don't people want to go outside? Is it lack of access? Is it lack of mentors? We have a pretty good handle on the research and the programs and stuff. It's just we've never taken that strategic approach. There's been programs in PA alone that have been going on for 20 or 30 years. But it's just recently that people have started saying, we can do this better. And we have a lot of biological success, right? I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the way wild turkeys were recovered, but they used to release 10 raised turkeys. Um, basically, like how they do our pheasant program right now, they would release tur- turkeys that are grown on a farm and expect them to be able to live wild in the habitat. It didn't work, though. And eventually they started doing trap and transfer of wild turkeys. Well, right now we're in the pen raise situation of our three effort. And so what we're largely trying to change is finding the best ways and the most efficient ways to get people outdoors. That is a good use of resources. It engages our current participants, like our current hunters, current target shooters, so they can teach others and have that best effect. So some of our successes have been a lot of shift in focus from not just on kid programs, but on programs that are targeting like women. That was an emerging segment or, you know, locavores is a term you're often here. Maybe you heard that with Jeremiah. We did the field to plate, but it's people who want to be connected to their food source. And that's what a locavore technically is. And so we've been doing a lot of programs that are connecting people and learning how to hunt for food. So we've had some small wins there. Um, And our largest win is probably just the number of people who are actively working on this at the state level. In the last two years, we've added like 35 or 37 positions in state agencies um, just to focus on this one aspect for each agency. So that's a huge win, too, because now with somebody in like the quarterback or the driver position, they can kind of help with that strategy. So we're getting better at it and getting more efficient at it, which hopefully has a better return in the long term. So what. I mean, have you guys tried trapping 
women and children and, <laughs> and transplanting them to places where they don't hunt as much? No, no, I don't think that works too well. But, I mean, if you guys want to try it, you're totally yeah. welcome. Let us know how it goes. I, w- I would volunteer for a relocation program oh. if you need to put me somewhere I'm just, I'm, I'm, where the population's out of control and needs, needs help. I'm being funny. The but, are, uh, so, totally. The fact that you're identifying the people that want to be connected to their food. Um, I recently just attended the From Field to Plate 101. And the amount of pride that I left with, you know, when, when you take an animal in an ethical fashion and then you give it its due justice by, you know, A, processing it quickly, you know, getting it temperature regulated as quickly as possible, and then processing it so for for food and consumption uh at a later date uh with intention right you optimally know, optimally yeah. exactly i mean all these things like we you know, i mean if you listen to the last couple of podcasts you know and you've seen our social media you get a you know what i'm saying like it was yeah. connecting all those dots i mean you leave with this gigantic sense of pride and accomplishment you see the transition too like with if you look at our your trip from texas i mean you saw the harvest but it didn't just end with a picture of you with the deer it transitioned to the butchering process all the way to it sitting on your plate and you getting to oh consume pictures it. snapping crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean harvest the was... french cut you know chops and yep. the, you know like it, we were proud of every step absolutely but, yeah harvest was just a second step in the whole weekend that's then holy cow <laughs> mind-blowing especially after what i've just been through and it's amazing so I, I listened to the podcast where you guys recapped your adventures with jeremiah and i i was sitting there thinking like i've been a hunter for you know for 18 years of my life now roughly um and we ha- we eat what we harvest it's been a tradition but it's just like recently in the last maybe year or two that i've been like well there has to be more that I can do than the three different piles y'all talked about with roast and burger and everything. And that's kind of where I've leaned in, you know, and trying to figure out some more recipes. And I connect with a lot of people like new hunters coming into it throw that aspect, like sharing recipes. It's oftentimes that newer hunters who are geeking out on the food side of it are teaching me stuff in that regard. And it's definitely a cool aspect to kind of have it evolving and even myself changing as a hunter over time too. Yeah, that makes perfect sense i've been challenging myself you know i i for those of you that you know might actually follow me on instagram or something you might know that i actually kind of like cooking just a little uh, bit just a little bit (laughs) Uh, but i mean i've been doing things from you know uh gosh taking taking rabbit and doing it and you know a a white wine you know sauce and simmering it you know all afternoon to uh things like squirrel marsala you know just trying to think outside the box and finding meats that work you know really really well (laughs) for that that uh, sounds delicious i love truly. and yeah and and the fact is you know like jay said he just started hunting again and he's just you know i think it's part of that adventure that well it, it marries my two loves i mean yeah you know i mean aside from yeah, i love what i do for for a living but you know that gets boring oh, after a bless while bless your yeah. heart yeah um, wow forging <laughs> knives give me a break <laughs> who wouldn't love that but i'm saying you know like 
every job becomes monotonous after a while and you you want to you want to spice it up a little bit yeah and so getting out in the woods and you know reconnecting with nature and figuring out you know hey wow you know uh catfish said it the other the other day you know on the podcast uh uh, you know, wow, just, you know, reconnecting with everything. And, you know, it really has, I feel awake again, Yeah, you know, and it's getting out there and just doing what, doing what I did as a kid that I just, for some odd reason, I totally forgot about it. It's and, easy to do. But, yeah. You know, it really, well, you get yeah. caught up in life and life then, happens. you know, exactly. marrying what I'm cooking, you know, or what I'm, what I'm, you know, what I'm actually harvesting to what I'm cooking and you know, it's like, but, well, I love this recipe. Why can't I do that with this? You know? I, I think yeah. it gets, it brings us back to, and I don't mean to get existential on, uh, on us here, so but existential. It, 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 the hunting, the cooking that gets us back to that primal true purpose. I mean, our true purpose here is to survive and, that's the true sense of it. I mean, and that's, I think what brings out that joy, the creativity, the deliciousness of the food and the, the smells like that's next level. It's not primal anymore. It's so, I think it actually, it completes the hunt. Yes. Yeah. You know, it it really does because another level though, you know, I might, it's very opulent. I might shoot it one day, clean it the next. And then all of a sudden it might be a week or two later. And I go, this is going to be awesome. And it totally reconnects me with that moment in the past. Yeah. And it just com- comes full circle. But as of lately with the, the whole um, farm to table thing, guys are, n- are not only going out there and harvesting their protein, but they're grabbing a mushroom out there, a wild onion, uh, some, some, fern, oh, I was grabbing some wild fern. chanterelles, yes, lion's exactly. mane, mushrooms. They're, br- uh, they're bringing back their, the, the, the groceries yeah, I, along I, with their protein. I That's filled an amazing. entire bag full of mushrooms the other week when I was out. That's incredible. That's yeah. right up in that spot that you never go. That's exactly <laughs> right. I don't do that, yeah. and I should. Yeah, thanks. We, we digress, but but see what you just did there, Sam, by talking about the whole like well, because farm of, to plate. Because the, the of this, yes. I, I used to, you know, in the morning, my bed is very warm, and I know that it's going to be very cold whenever I <laughs> go out. Since Leanna has been on her journey with the outdoors and hunting and fishing, I get a actually a cold foot in my back, pushing me <laughs> pushing out, of you out of bed. Yeah, saying oh, "Go get you some." Go get the groceries. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. Sam, have you noticed with uh, you know the increase in social media that one thing I don't think hunters get recognized enough is what we just talked about that whole process of it's not just us harvesting an animal, it's harvesting an animal and then using it for food for your family going the whole from field to plate style. Is that one thing that you guys uh, are working to kind of rebrand as outdoorsmen and hunters portray themselves? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of research done about the public support of hunting and there's certain keywords out there, right? People are good with hunting if it's to find their protein source or if it's to control wildlife populations, that whole aspect of it, right? It's when you add in words like trophy or when you add in concepts like people not using the whole animal and just, you know, wasting it. Yeah. It's where public, public appreciation or acceptance of it, actually, it drops significantly with just like the word hunting, public support for it is like seventy eight percent, I think it was. But when you add in trophy, it drops significantly. Wow. So like there is some different aspects of it. Um, and you guys had mentioned about how we portray it. 
there's been a lot of conversations lately and I don't know, it's like a silent shift perhaps, but there's been a, a shift in the way people are taking their pictures or putting their p- pictures on social media. Now people used to post those pictures of, you know, them holding a deer in the harvest with it. Now you might just see someone's hand on the deer that they just harvested, or they'll take more experiential pictures, right? Like the sunset or the sunrise or whoever they're hunting with, you'll start to see less of the harvest photos. And that's something else that's happening because, you know, social media is what it is. So people can comment on whatever you put out there. So I'm never advocating for hiding what you're passionate about or what you do, but being aware of kind of how people perceive it and what you participate in and the way you display that is definitely something I think people are taking more consideration of. And not only that, the killing part is such a small, small, minute portion of the process absolutely it's my least favorite absolutely actually i i can identify with that too i'm I'm not i don't love that either but like everything else around it is just yes next level existential however you want to say (laughs) epic primal and i think you're seeing a lot more of those pictures of the sunset and the you know just the the strange angles and things like that because i mean the cameras that we're all carrying in our pockets now um that are on your phone are amazing and the ability to while you're still in the tree take that photo and upload it on instagram and facebook and you know the accessibility of it all it actually helps tell the story a lot better oh you know, absolutely. so you're telling a lot more of the experience and you know maybe you do have the opportunity if you're fortunate to yeah. to have one of the grip and grin type photos but it's now mixed in with the entire uh, experience. It isn't. Yeah. It isn't just that was the experience. It, it's a lot more. Right. It, it's a lot more tasteful and kind of subtle, and it's not so much in your face, jamming it down your throat. And the other thing is, I believe that the vast majority of hunters who truly are passionate about the sport are also self-aware. Right. They know the perception uh, that would be out there if if they only portray this one aspect of the ex- experience. And I think people are really, and that's why you're seeing that shift that you talked about, Samantha. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we are the own kind of writers of our message, right? Or the way we portray us, we have control over that. Um, we get, we had talked about, you know, how other people talk about us. This is one area where we can show how we interact with it and how we depict it. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, just kind of how, when you engage with people and you talk about it and everything, it is an important aspect of hunting in, in the whole world we're involved in. Sam, what are some of the obstacles or what are we actually looking at on a national stage? Um, I guess what I'm asking is what is the current state of hunting? Yeah, definitely a good question. Um, we're tracking participation in hunting uh, every five years. We have different ways to tell how many people are out there. Um, how, how many of you guys have bought a license year in and year out since you were able to buy one in PA? Yep. Since I was 12. Guilty as charged. <laughs> I haven't, I mean, yeah, I was, well, you lived out of state for a while. Too. I lived out of state for a while. I didn't hunt for a little bit, but it was, you know, I, don't know, I stopped around you know, like 16 and only picked it back up a year ago. Right. I've oh, had mine since 98 and I'm continues. a little older than 16 now. So. <laughs> just so it's cool it's cool that you guys have different stories then usually when i'm talking to people they're the people who buy it year in and year out and they're the abnormal ones um to be a lifetime participant who buys every year is uncommon it's 
more common to have life happen. You have kids, you move. I think, well, you said you move. People pick it up when they're a kid and then they come back to it. Maybe when they have kids, that's the commonality of it right now. And so they do a survey every five years to kind of by the U S census. And right now there's like 11.5 million hunters in the United States. And that's as of 2016. Now, that's a, about a 16% drop since the last time the survey was conducted in 2011. So we're seeing this kind of shift in numbers, a decline. It's definitely the peak of license sales and peak of participation was in the 1980s. And we're definitely down now for sure. But what we're also seeing, it's not just like a, a decrease in hunters. It's a shift in the age of hunters, too. We started seeing this when I worked at the Game Commission uh, with Pennsylvania. They have a human dimensions person there, and she caught on to it quickly. It's the average age of a hunter is going up one year every year. So, like, in 2015, let's say, they were all, let's say, 52. In 2016, they were 53. Like, that's the average age or the, the median age, maybe. And we're, we started doing some research, and we just launched a project um, with a council with a partner of ours, ours uh, Chase and Chase Consultants. And we demonstrated that there is this cohort of hunters moving through time and it presents huge problems. Um, it's mostly the baby boomer generation. You know, the, the de- definition of baby boomers is people argue over the age, like the age group of it, but it's largely baby boomers who buy most of our hunting licenses right now. And over time they're shifting out so that like five or six years a lot of the conservation funding, you know, like because hunting licenses fund a lot of agencies as well as Pittman Robertson dollars. Um, a lot of our key funding sources are not going to be in the buying population anymore. So from a cultural perspective, that's huge challenges because largely those are the hunters who teach the new hunters coming in from political aspects, people who support hunting. That's a shift there from conservation funding. There's a lot of shifts, shifts coming down the pike besides just like a decrease in participation. So it's, it's a challenging time for us, but it doesn't mean that it's a, a negative time. That's kind of why we're all rallying behind our three, but that's like the status of current participation rates. The first time I heard that, you know, was uh, at a Sunday hunting meeting at the uh, Pennsylvania Game Commission headquarters. And, you know, hearing those stats, I was probably like a lot of you, very shocked. You know, and uh, I needed to, you know, dive into that a little bit more. You know, it's like, what can we do? You know, it, it seems bleak. It seems at this moment, it seems kind of bleak but you know it's it's really on us to, to carry the torch absolutely well, i was i was looking for just you know because bucky's always like full of information i just had to one up him on something but i was no, looking at stats, i was i was looking at stats from like 1987 and uh just going over things for small game and you look at the harvest numbers from 1987 until 2007 and everything is like dropped off by, you know, almost two thirds. And it's amazing, you know, how high everything was here in the state of Pennsylvania, as far as the amount of, you know, what the harvest was uh, for various small game. And then, you know, you go 20 years forward and it really seems like there's a lot of hunters dropping off. And it goes with what, you know, she's saying as far as that median age of hunters is kind of, you know, mm-hmm. progressing and, you know, we're not getting the young, you know, the younger generations out there. I think that's the thing that, that you know, th- that we need to really focus on and part of their mission, you know, is just having that, 
recruitment and retention, you know. Absolutely. And I was going to add on, Kyle, you're almost, we're beyond the point of where we're carrying the torch. You're at the age where you're now passing the torch on. I mean, that's, I think, more important than us carrying the torches, passing this on. I neglected to do that to my own boys, and I have vowed not to let this opportunity pass me up with my grandchild. I am going to pass this tradition down to him and and do it in a way that it's not forced upon him, but it's fun, and yeah. I'm ready to do it, and that's an important thing now in my next chapter. Yeah, it's, it's not just that, but I mean, every single day, you know, I mean, I've only picked hunting back up, you know, in the past year and fishing. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's all really thanks to you guys, but you know, we'll Thank get you. into that at another time. You stop. But, uh, yeah. Uh, but still, I mean, it's so often though, that things come up in day-to-day conversation and like Samantha was saying, you know, it's putting things into a positive light. And, you know, I have conversations with people every single day and somehow it ventures into hunting. You know, they, yeah. why are you wearing a bright orange cap in the middle of Walmart? Well, this is what I do. You know? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't even realize I was wearing it. But, you know, you can, you can pass that on. You don't, you know, you can give that positive image just by, you know, being yourself. And, and now it's more a celebration and, you know, focus on those positive things and, you know, really help expand it, you know, because it is great to get back into nature. I mean, it's not just about the harvest. It's about the whole activity involved. Right. The six months before the, you know, the, the, the good food afterwards. Wait, that you're comes saying off six months stove. of downtime? I, I no, don't understand that. What I'm saying is the six months of hard work. You mean that fishing might, season. That might go into a hunt. I mean, it, I, I've learned something, you know, I'm a novice deer hunter and I've learned deer hunting is year round. Really? Oh, yeah. If you're going to be, if wife. you're going to be good at it <laughs> and, and, and a sportsman at it, you're going to do it all year long. That's what I'm just, just now learning i'm at 47 i yeah. holy cow i mean <laughs> no wonder you need to start when you're 12 <laughs> seriously guys i i am 40 years behind so samantha real quick you know we've we've now just gone around the table a little bit given some ideas of our own ways that we can help obviously anybody at this table anybody who's listening to the podcast they're, they're here for a reason and and they have the passion for the outdoors, you know, we all have that inside us. Do you have things that you can recommend for us to do that will help? So besides what you've just heard from us, what are some other things that, that the, you know, quote unquote average Joe could do to help with the three R's or the R3 movement? Absolutely. I mean, you guys, it was cool to listen to it because you come full circle, right? You heard the data. And then you kind of rallied. It's not something that you took lightly. Um, that's, that's some good kind of ideas to consider how you're going to pass it on. Right now, it's just a matter of replacing yourself with at least one other hunter, right? Most people can do more than one, but it's not just like your kids. Um, they're going to have that social support. A lot of people coming into hunting are coming from non-hunting backgrounds. So as much as you're comfortable in doing so find a hunter that or a potential hunter that doesn't look like you, whether that be female, whether that be urban, whether that be someone like a coworker, whatever it is, find a hunter that doesn't look like you and try to bring them into it and see if they're interested in learning. 
Um, also, just being conscientious and self-aware. You guys said it's pretty much human nature to hunters. Be self-aware of how we depict what we're doing. So that's the other side of it. Make sure that we're putting a good, positive image out there and being willing to take new people out with us. Awesome. I hate to shift gears, Sam, but <laughs> I was just about to do that, bud. What do you like there to hunt? Is. Yeah, where, where did you where did you get started? Where did your passion for the outdoors come from? Well, I'm like most hunters in Pennsylvania where I, I was born into a hunting family. I literally, like my birthday is like opening day of deer season, at least three out of every 10 years. Nice. So I didn't really have a choice around it. So what was your dad thinking though? <laughs> uh, there was some discussion of how I actually came into the world and if my dad was present or not, cause it was doe season, but we don't really talk about it cause there's a lot of anger that flares up. So. I'm just lucky now to celebrate my birthday at deer camp with my uncles and my cousins i think a lady strategically planned uh valentine's day to land in february to just coincide with the opening day yeah you gotta like uh, <laughs> you gotta make up for all that lost time so yeah <laughs> so um i i did grow up in a hunting family though for sure and i well our hunting camp is like many other pa hunting camps we it was formed in 1958 and it was just last year that we actually found these old photos my uncle brought them up and <laughs> it's like pictures of our camp we've only added one more room for more people to go there and but there's still does hanging on the um the front porch we and my actually showed me in the rafters where you can see the hanging ropes, there's still like the wear down from those. So it's oh, a wow. cultural thing for nice. us. Yeah. It's really cool. And I was born into that. But on the other side of it, I am a chick. So um it wasn't common for females wait, to hunt in our family. <laughs> wait a minute. I've been calling you Sam. <laughs> Sammy Sammy <laughs> P. Uh, Are you wearing khakis? Right. I'm sorry. But... <laughs> Here's a question for you, Sam. Uh, did you have any positive female uh hunting role models growing up not many actually i mean i literally was the first female hunter in our family um ugh, that's crazy like <laughs> growing up my my mom well my mom will be proud if she actually listens to this and my dad passed away in 97 so i doubt he's listening uh but my oh, mom he's could listening. always he's listening <laughs> up there my my mom could always he's a big my fan dad. of the show i mean she she's a great shot you know and uh man my mom used to go out small game all the time with my grandfather and you know all my all my uncles wow. and stuff and that's what she loved to do and uh you know she she was a great hunter we need to talk uh, to your mom man yeah yeah now she's just retired and travels too much but she can come hunting with me if she wants <laughs> yeah that's she she'd love it if someone took her hunting i'm sure maybe i should actually eh, nah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> sam is that going on i mean do you see that a lot are, are the gals starting to group up and, and and do this more like have a ladies camp did you see my Instagram feed? <laughs> yeah, um, it's becoming more of a trend. I It was very random, but last year I picked up and went on a duck hunt uh, with a bunch of girls down in Arkansas. And it was by far one of my best hunting experiences in my life so far. Um, it's cool to hunt with my family. And I have girl cousins that hunt. I have friends that are female that hunt as well. And it's just recently that we started spending more times in the more time in the woods together, but it's just something cool. Not that I don't like hunting with my family, like I said, but 
having a bunch of girls there and like sharing a blind with them and stuff. It's, it's unique. It's cool. I talk a lot about it cause it's just super exciting to me. So I'm actually going back down for the same hunt this year. I'm like the next three weeks, pretty much um, from opening day through like December 13th, I'm hunting and um, we're bringing someone in from California to hunt up at Scotia state game lands for a couple days there. And then me and another girlfriend are heading down to Arkansas to go on that hunt again with like five, six other ladies from California, from Tennessee, from Arkansas, from Georgia, just to spend time together and go hunting. And we also, you know, the duck hunting is epic down there. So it's a little better than the Atlantic flyway, but still we're super excited about it. That's fantastic to find out. Uh, what do you guys talk about in the blind? The same things that we do, like purses. Bucky's and... been known to shave his legs to get in. The... Yes, <laughs> that's to a, get in on those. A bear hunt. camp he went to. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've bear. I've worked it for next year again with Michelle as well. Yep. So I and the and, one in Maine. Yes, yep. Michelle Harms. That's awesome. Yeah, that my friends went to that one. Carrie from California went up there. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Bucky shaving his legs for it. For yeah, he'll show. be there. Bucky's cross dressing for that trip. Whatever you want to do. And I, I might even shave my beard to go to the one in Arkansas. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I mean, to be fair, so the guy that hosted us, his name was Don Farmer, and it was the coolest thing because he said, "I want to have this female hunt." He said, "Not a lot of females come down in the." He, he hosts like 300 hunters a year. He has places in Real Foot Lake, Tennessee, Arkansas. Like he's a pretty serious guide. And he has like three or four women out of 300 that come through. And he pre- pretty much just said like, that's not enough. He has daughters. He has a wife. He wants them to hunt if they want to. So he said, we're going to have a female hunt. Showed us his camp. He opened up his doors to us. Um, he cultured us. He brought food to the blind, which was awesome too. It just, he, he called for us. It was really cool. So, um, as far as what we talk about though, I mean, we can't tell you because if we told you, we'd have to, you know, take you out, but it's it's fun. I knew she was going to say that. I I have to say, I have to say, well, you can feel free to add this out later because you know, but I I, I will, well, what, you know, I, with my classes that I teach every once in a while, I get a, a, a female in the class and then everyone's like in a blue moon, it's two or three females that book the class together. That's great. Oh, dude, it's always a blast. <laughs> Very cool. But, uh, yeah, you don't want to know what they talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> easy, Buck. Yeah, take I, it easy. I, I'm just thinking about how I can shave get, your legs and get into this club on. here. Can you call? Because we could talk. <laughs> it's going to feel normal. I'm willing to learn. Philomena, I can see it now. Oh, there we go. Golly. So obviously, if you are, you know, born into that Pennsylvania hunting family, whitetails are near and dear to your heart. You've talked about the the epic duck hunting uh, adventures that you've been on. Uh, I assume there's probably some turkey hunting in the background there. Yeah, turkey, small game, pheasant. Cool. What would be... Your number one, sorry if I'm stealing your question, Bucky, bucket list animal. Get it. That, that you need to get. Duck. Anything duck, honestly. Like, it's an action-packed sport. I love it. It's the coolest thing ever. It's social. I'm yep. learning how to dress them and cook them better. Like, I know how to dress them, but, like, um, the paraffin wax from the last one, I want to try that. So there's different stuff about it that it's just waterfowl for me. I've been scoping out down here on the East shore, trying to find like different lines to access. 
I got an onshore vehicle pass. Like there's a lot that I've been trying to do just for waterfowl specifically. So I'll always have opening day set aside, but I spend more money on duck hunting now than anything else. Do you spatchcock those ducks? <laughs> no, I don't. All right. I don't. It's uh, it's a new cooking method that I've been I don't enamored think that with. It's new. It's not new. It's not new, it's, but it's new to me. Thousand years old. New to Bucky. <laughs> it's, it's new to me. Bless his heart. <laughs> Plus, it's pretty fun to say. I will admit. <laughs> there it is. Now, waterfowl. That's fantastic. I, I I honestly, just from my own perspective, it's something I have yet to really delve into oh, i think I i'm avoiding on, it on purpose i keep on saying i need to go out and buy a new shotgun just yeah. for geese yeah. i i, I want to go out for goose sure, I, sure. I really do i have too many new hobbies so i, yeah. I can't it can't do it doesn't make sense yes you can that's how these guys got me hooked you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna do it this year though aren't you you're on the, yeah, I you're was on the, the alternate you're on the I roster i was the alternate no no no, no. you've been bumped no, no, no! You've been bummed. <laughs> All right, well, coach just I'm called out to the bullpen, bud. He's uh, he's doing an ocean sea duck hunt. Nice, very nice. I mean, I bought a new shotgun last year just for waterfowl hunting. So, can I borrow it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I can I can connect you to where I got it, but no, yeah. <laughs> no, you can't borrow it. <laughs> well, unless you actually want to like learn. I mean, I guess I could loan it a day. He doesn't look like you, so you should take him. That's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Twisting my words on me, very nice. Yeah. Good job, Will. I like that. Well played. Touche. Touches. So yeah, no, uh, ducks are awesome. It's very social for a lot of people that haven't done it. Uh, you know, you don't really buckle down until the ducks are near. Yeah, until I mean, they're carrying pumpkins. They say, is that a thing? <laughs> I guess if they're, they're locked, locked up, they're locked yeah. up. There yeah. you go. Carrying pumpkin. I thought I heard somebody say that one time. I was just trying to sound like a waterfowl hunter. Yeah, you watch too much TV. I missed it. <laughs> missed the mark. Easy, duck commander. <laughs> <laughs> I found out when you shoot them, the beak doesn't just spin back around behind them. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. really big disappointment for yeah, me. Yeah, I do. And then you just can't bring it back and then whack, whack, right, whack right. Like this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Reel them back in. All right. Well, Samantha, I know uh, we're actually getting ready to bump up on time, which is crazy because I feel like we just got started. But um, obviously, before we go, I need you to tell everybody what's the best way they can you know, get involved with you or your group or follow along with what's happening just to keep people informed and stay knowledgeable about all of the current events. So if you want to follow along on R3 and what we're doing, um, I would encourage you to find us on social media. Um, my co coworker does a great job of maintaining those channels and we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, if you want to get engaged with like a program or opportunity, your local contact PA has an R3 coordinator. His name's Derek Stoner. Um, he can be reached at the Pennsylvania Game Commission. You can visit our website to find his contact info. And if you're involved in those NGOs I referenced, we have an R3 community. Um, it's largely for people who are like actively working on getting new people outdoors, whether it be through programs and marketing efforts, whatever that might be. And that can be found at nationalr3plan.com. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I just would say that if you take anything away from kind of this conversation, and if anyone's like listening and wants to get involved, like, you know, buck season's right around the corner. 
it's just taking someone out that first day or, you know, maybe the first weekend after you get your buck too, it's up to y'all. But doing that one effort to bring one new person in this year is going to have an impact. And this is something you can directly impact. And so if you have the time, the interest and the opportunity, please take advantage of it. That's actually a really good takeaway. It doesn't have to be some huge national movement. You know, start start local, start small. One at a time. Anything you can do to get people in the outdoors, just do it. Exactly. Absolutely. Great message. And, and you know, like she said, it doesn't have to be the first day. You don't have to ruin your family tradition of bringing a, you know, somebody new. An outsider. A noob. I like to think I just fill most of my tags during archery season and then take Get everybody out during rifle. Yeah, That works too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, there's turkey season in the spring. I mean, there's so many opportunities. There's so many yeah. opportunities. It's a, it, it is. It's, and it's almost like Bucky said, it's a year-round pursuit. So get get on it. There is no reason not to be outdoors. Good point, Bucky. You nailed Look, it, Nothing Bucky. but truth there. Samantha, thank you very much um, for your time. But moreover than that, thank you for what you're doing and the efforts. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for the t- time and the opportunity to chat with you. I appreciate it. Um, Absolutely. This was a great time. We're going to have to have you back just to see how things are going maybe uh, this time next year, probably. Yeah. I want to thank you for tolerating us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for <laughs> putting up with us goofballs. This yeah. is fun. I like Mainly. This. this is cool. The only thing I'd say, Will, is that next time if we if I come back and join y'all, Leanna has to come. Yeah, ten four. We can make that happen. And she can give me some recipes, please. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's got them. If we can get her off the yoga mat. <laughs> oh, very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much again, Samantha. We appreciate it. Thank yeah, you guys. Thank you. Hey, Bucky. Yeah, Ryan. Where do you think they could find us? They can find us at ruttenriverpursuits.com. They can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter. At Twitter. Don't forget to look for all of us as individuals. Do the YouTube one. Don't forget to check us out on the YouTubes at Rutten River Pursuits Podcast. Podcast. And guys, don't forget, you can also find us on iTunes and Spotify. So be sure to check us out on either of those for your listening pleasure. Did I tell you guys I love Spotify? You did. I've heard. You said it's your favorite way to listen to podcasts. I got to check it out. And make sure you're subscribing to all that stuff and give us the feedback whenever you can. Please. I. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Rig them weedless. Peace. Oh, um, sorry, didn't mean yeah. to come out the throw in the heat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I, we call. I'm glad you asked it because I was going to ask the exact same question. So. We, I'm sure. I, that's. I we think call I sh- him Roger Clemens. <laughs> <laughs> Good to I, know. Um, I think I shocked him with actually having such a well constructed yeah. question to come. <laughs> First time in three years. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to know what they talk about. <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> easy, but yeah, take it easy. I'm just thinking about how I can shave your legs, get into this club on. here. Can you call? Because we can talk. <laughs> it's gonna feel normal. <laughs> <laughs>